they're standing just a few feet in front of where the tower used to be. Enoch gets really sad. And for a moment you can see it. And then... You know those storms that sometimes come up suddenly where it's like the whole sky goes dark? Yeah. That happens and... For a moment you're all unable to see anything. And for a moment... You all start to see in your mind your ideal version of the world. Alaric, what do you see? I think for Alaric, the best version of the world is where everybody is respected, whether they can or can not cast magic. Magic is accepted as part of the world. In fact, it's incorporated in everyday life. It's, It's not just hidden away like it you know like it's been for centuries it's 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 widely accepted there's no hatred or people being treated terribly because they're witches or warlocks it's just a world of acceptance where everybody just kind of gets along and is just happy and going about supernatural beings are accepted as well for the most part you know obviously there are still some things i think alaric would expect there always to be a little bit of evil because evil you can't have good without evil but in his perfect world, it's mm-hmm. there's more good than there is bad. So I think it's just one of those things where he, where he sees just this thing where everybody's getting along and making society work. There is no separation between people. Just acceptance. Mrs. Dax, what do you see? Similar. The aesthetic is very 1950s Americana but like very diverse and like progressive and positive and everyone's like, you know, having a good time, except there is no magic. There's magic, but it's, there are magical creatures, but they're where they're supposed to be. They're in their natural habitats. They're doing what they need to be doing. They're creating the magic they need to create, creating the natural effects. And it's not hurting people. It's not hurting humans. It's not disrupting society. They're living perfectly fine, and they're not being bothered by humanity. And it's just like this peaceful dichotomy of humans get to be human and live together, and magic people could be in there, but it's kind of up to them how public they would want to be. I don't think Stax thinks about magic. a lot, other than outside of her her sweepers, where it's something to protect people from. So not a negative thing, but just kind of no longer a problem for either party. And it works, and it's balanced, and it'd be a world that didn't need the sweepers. Which ironically would also be the world that Alaric is seeing. (laughs) Just in a completely different way. True. Yeah, it's very, it's peaceful. Kind of the same thing, like, it's it's good and people are working and happy and... Oh, how good it could be. And for Enoch, what future did you dream of before the demons showed up in Babel? A world with no veil. There is no difference between humanity and magical beings. We all exist together. That's always been Enoch's dream. 
He doesn't want there to be any kind of separation. Everyone should be able to live together. So that's the dream he's always held on. And it still hasn't changed. He just wants the world to have no veil. There is no line to where, hey, the magical beings are over here, humans are here. It's, we're together. And we're happy. And you picture that, you see in your mind what it looked like when the world was like that. And your family is there. And you're all having these beautiful memories. You hear this voice in your head. Whether you're with me or against me. And as he says against me, your visions shift into the worst possible version of what you just saw. Alaric, you see a world where anyone with magic is heavily persecuted. They have to live in secret, but even those who live in secret cannot hide, cannot protect themselves. It's a scary world. In stacks, you see, you picture the sweeper as HQ, but it's on fire and there's monsters everywhere. You don't know if any of your colleagues made it out of the building, but you know those who did are currently being hunted. And Enoch, you relive the moment when the tower fell in the moment when you killed your brother. I will succeed either way. The future you get is your choice. Feel this darkness pressing in around you. What do you say? You know, in the past, Enoch would have blown off the handle into a rage. But here's the thing Enoch smiles. Thank you. I got to see them one last time. I do appreciate that. That's the funny thing about the future. We really have no idea what it's going to bring. But I guarantee you this. Enoch takes the best come at me bro pose and just goes, I'll be right here waiting for you. Come at me. Sex, Alaric, how do y'all respond? I think Alaric kind of stands next to Enoch and just looks and says, You can't see anything. It's all darkness. He just looks out into that void and kind of smirks and says a quote from a TV, or from a movie. Only <laughs> Sith deal, deal in absolutes. <laughs> and he goes, um, I will not bend to your will. We will stop you. You don't have the high ground. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> That was me, not him. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, I just, I love that. I love the idea of, of Alaric kind of like a nerd in that sense, you know? Like he, Yes. And he says it, but he says it with like a straight face as if it makes total sense. And just stands next to Enoch and looks over at Mrs. Stax. Yeah, and I hear that in the darkness. And I kind of roll my eyes, straighten up. I'm like, as long as there have been hearths, there have been sweepers. This is not the first time something like you has tried to do this. It won't be the last. 
but I will. I guarantee. Don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me. <laughs> I am so tired of all of this attitude from all of you tricksters and you little spirits and you little storybook characters. Well, guess what? Fuck you. Because we're coming. Interrupt my speech. Where are my boys? <laughs> I'm realizing I totally forgot a piece of information that I would have gotten from Langley. Re rewind. Um, so uh, it could be something about this way this being is talking. She reminds you of something that Langley said. Because... As you told your story, like, something about it stuck out to them, so they kind of went to research it. And I feel like they talked through what they figured out, but you might not have caught it all. <laughs> you might have um, been distracted by, why isn't she messaging me? Because she, um, she did go kind of quiet for a while. But Langley pieced this together from a couple different stories, they thought that if they're reading it right, your grandfather buried something beneath the tower, but didn't secure it properly. Maybe because he didn't know how, but there was something buried beneath it that he feared could bring an end to everything. So he buried it deep and put the tower on top of it to keep it safe, but it wasn't enough. Langley thinks that whatever that thing was is what's behind this. It's not awake yet. But as you're hearing this voice talk, it is now. And it responds to your all of your remarks back. I'll let you live long enough to see the end of all you have, and then I'll see if you have such bravado. You feel this big thing looming over you. And you can't see it. But then there's this flash of light and claws as something cuts through the darkness and tackles whatever was in the center. As the rest of the darkness fades from around you and you can see where you are again, you see this dragon of light fighting a dragon of void. And you all hear her voice in your head. I'll wear him down. You deal with his minions. I think allergies is just like, what the hell are we stepping into here? <laughs> Enoch just starts cracking his knuckles, doing his head side to side. Would you like to read a bad situation? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Happily. <laughs> so continuing on our streak, I got another 12. Oh That's my gosh. Nice. Amazing. So let's start with Enoch's question. Okay. I got an eight. And Alex? What's the biggest threat? What's, wait, no, what's most vulnerable to me? As you're surveying the situation, Enoch, you see that two figures have approached you. And something about like the magic around them. You get the feeling these are the minions she was talking about. Alaric, what's your question? I'll be nice and say you also noticed these two people. 
I would say, what's the best way to protect, and I say the victims, I mean us, from these things? You know this thing is recently awakened and it's been acting through servants, so it's probably something about those servants that's tying it here. You take them out, it'll weaken its hold. You also know it is currently having the shit beaten out of it by your quote-unquote trickster friend that you're starting to realize might be a little bit more than that. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because there's basically a kaiju fight going on right next to you, essentially. Yeah, I think I think uh, Alaric will say we need to deal with them. As she said, I think it'll weaken the threat if we do this quickly. And sex, what are your two questions? You can also ask a question that's not on the list. Yeah. Are there any dangers we haven't noticed yet? The two people approaching you. Edis Octavian and Thaddeus Grimhollow. Oh. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> that was the one you didn't get because he had disappeared yep. around yep. the same time mm-hmm. that Edis did. Okay. And what is the best way for us as a team to tackle these two minions? Because I know individually we are all. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. Do you want to maybe see, like, what more you can glean about them? Or maybe, like, steal from investigative history the flavor of what sort of creature is it? What's changed about them? Yeah. What's walking towards us? (laughs) As they come closer, looking at Edis, you know there's more than one way become a monster, and sometimes people who delve too deep into certain kind of magics get twisted by it. Edis has been twisted by the magic that they've been delving into because they are greedy and want power. So they're almost like fey level magic. Do I recognize that that's Edis as well? Sorry, I didn't mean I just want to ask, like, can we all tell? As they're coming closer, you recognize it's just Dax recognized first, probably because she's been like staring at their pictures on her conspiracy board. And for Thaddeus, you know there are a lot of people in these papers who study monsters to understand more about them, find better ways to like deal with them, combat them, contain them. But you also know sometimes people study monsters to find ways to become more like them they think that's like improving humanity just something the way, about the way that he's walking and like the color of his eyes and like other things Thaddeus has been using his experiments in, with monsters to experiment on changing himself so he's also not entirely human anymore I want to be like roll initiative let's go <laughs> I look at you, Mrs. Dax, and I go, look, there's our Sith. Well, <laughs> <laughs> in the minute you look for Enoch, he'd actually had jumped back quite a bit. And he's getting ready to take off, and the only thing he's yelled to, all, to you, Alaric, is Magic Ball Special! And Enoch's launched himself like a bullet. Because when he's going to get closer, what that means is he's set up his arms like a volleyball set. So when he's going to get closer, he's expecting you to jump onto his arm so he can send you flying. <laughs> Allard? Allard doesn't do that kind of stuff. Are you out of your mind? 
<laughs> Alaric is not a frontline fighter. I mean, last time he did that, he almost got killed by Langley. <laughs> I'm there looking like confusedly back, and I'm like, Tajala, do you have a planned move? Is this like a fastball special thing? It's all planned out? If he's planning on throwing me with his strength, he's out of his mind. It might make a little <laughs> more sense to have Alaric magically yeet Enoch. Yeah, like I could magically... <laughs> I, could, uh, Ooh, I was thinking I that's like what that you wanted. I was like, I thought that's what you, you know, wanted me to like, do. Like, I, liked, I liked that plan even better then. Enoch's just going faster and faster as he's running. <laughs> okay, you boys decide who's yeeting whom. I'm, I'm going to handle this. I pull out my gun. <laughs> And I pull out a, one of the many, many fun bullets that Meredith and I spent many fun evenings making. It's glass. It's full of salt, but salt that's been deeply neutralized. This is an anti-magic bullet. And I'm aiming this at uh, Edis. Roll the kicks in the ass. Yes. Seven? You and whatever you're fighting inflict harm on each other. With the preparation and stuff, I'll allow you to take a plus one to the harm of these bullets. Oh, sweet. Nice. So you wing Edis, and then Edis kind of like staggers backwards, <clears throat> catching a little child, and sends like this like concentrated stream of fire at you and it just like wings in the exact same spot so i'll say you take two points of harm from that yeah my suit sizzles away at the shoulder and i'm wearing like really intense skin tight kevlar body armor underneath it yeah nice you're calling me a child you think i came to play and i'm just like cox gun again oh that's good <laughs> Yeah, Alaric and Enoch, what are you guys doing? As Enoch's charging forward, Alaric begins to cast, and he basically grabs, like, gravity and force itself, lifts Enoch into the air, and shoots him forward like a bullet with magic, to where, like, the full force of Enoch is going to hit them at, like, twice or triple the speed it would normally be able to. Like, I'm literally altering gravity and force itself to send him flying. And Enoch's just, he's just got his hand, his fist back like this as he's charging. All I can think of now is a one punch man, but, um, roll to do one thing that is beyond <laughs> human limitations. Ooh. That is a t two fours on the dice, which is eight, plus two for my weird, which puts it at a ten. Okay. So. You don't have a glitch. What's the end? Yes. What does it look like? Enoch gets lifted off as, like, with the speed that you're already running forward, it just carries, like, in the air, because it's like, all of a sudden, there's no friction. There's no friction, there's no weight. You're just, like, flying, and all of a sudden you just feel, like, almost like, uh, you know, people get spun around in like the... Like the G-force mm -hmm. is pulling your face back? Yeah, the G... You just feel the G-force pulling your face back as, like, you can almost see wind rippling around your body going forward at them. First question, Enoch, who are you going to punch? And did she shoot Stadius? She shot Edis. I shot the wizard, not the agent. Good, okay, then yeah, I'll go for the agent then. 
Roll to kick some ass. <laughs> you still have luck. No, I just rolled a 12 again. <laughs> Are you telling it to just roll two sixes or roll two d6? <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. I have three in my tough. What is your enhanced effect as you punch Thaddeus? Hey, you know what? I want to take control of the fight. You completely hold all advantage. All hunters involved in the fight get plus one forward. What does this look like, and how much does this hurt? Okay, so because it's... um, Well, actually, since this is technically my tombstone, it's the three harm. Best way I can put it is if you've ever seen Goku versus Metal Cooler and Revenge of Cooler, he's just getting faster and faster, and as Enoch gets closer, he goes, you know, it's not my fault that this destroys you, as he just goes to punch him right in the center of his chest. So you punch him, and you would expect his ribcage to shatter. It doesn't. But you do manage to knock all of the wind out of him, and he staggers back, and you see Edis looks shocked that you actually managed to land a punch and stagger that. Oh, I hope you aren't done yet, buddy. The round's just beginning, and I got thousands of years of anger to put out on you. Don't stop now, as Al- as Alaric begins to cast another spell. <laughs> Let's just kind of like keep rotating around. I'm assuming things are happening in like very rapid succession. Yeah, like, I know this is like the desert, and there's like the rocks and the pillars and stuff. So I kind of ran up to a little bit of cover when I did my first shot, and then he pinged me, and I kind of just again rip off that jacket sleeve to show my my cool sweeper armor. I roll to another rock just as Enoch just flies by and just nails that guy right in the chest, a shockwave coming off of it. And I'm like, nice. And then I pop up again and I get another shot off on the wizard. (laughs) Roll to kick some ass. And so you get plus one forward. Oh, good, because that would have been a six, so now it's a seven. Yay! Thanks, Enoch. Yay! Yay. I think the wizard is in such shock. (laughs) Like, he was expecting me to shoot him again, but he's just, like, looking what happened, and I'm like, oh, and I get him again. You get him in the same spot? The same shoulder! (laughs) You feel the ground beneath one of your feet sink as your foot sinks down into the earth as it turns into sand and then back into stone. So it doesn't do any harm, but you're trapped, and Edith knows exactly where you are. Alaric, what's your next move? Alaric sees that, and he is going to throw a blast, basically combat magic. I'm going to throw a blast of fire right at Edith's head as he, like, trapped my friend's leg, I'm throwing a fireball right at it, basically. A ball of flames. So. Mm-hmm. It'd be some kick some ass. <laughs> so. Let's see here. That is 
trying to remember what it kicked. Yeah, go tough. I was trying to remember what it was. Alright. It'll be an eight. Because it's plus one going forward against them, right? Otherwise, it's a seven. So, yeah. Okay. Same bracket. You inflict harm on each other. Mm hmm. He's going to take two from the blast and add plus two harm fire to the base, which. If you get a 10 plus on the combat magic, the fire won't spread. I don't really care if the fire spreads around him. So, <laughs> but yes, I hit him with uh, basically four harm. Edis is looking rough at this point. He's staring daggers at you. The fire starts to spread around him and he calls it up and hurls it back at you for the same amount of harm. Same amount of harm? Ding! be nice it's just two it, he isn't <laughs> able to get a whole fireball off of that but yeah oh my goodness he's powerful that hurts i don't like him he's been messing with magic that you probably shouldn't eat this is no longer human either yeah neither of these two are human they want power they're greedy they were not you would imagine that hard to sway obviously and we're gonna go around but you see Alaric, take the blast, turn around, and I start to form a wall. That's what I'm going to be doing for my thing, because I can also create a wall to, to block some harm coming in at us. Okay. So I'm basically trying to put that kind of in front of... I, obviously, I'm not rolling yet, Fred. I'm just letting you know. It's going to be popping up my next turn in front of myself and Mrs. Stax, since we're going against another wizard. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I began casting. So... While Alaric and Mrs. Stax are tag-teaming Edis, Enoch, you are going up against Thaddeus, who should have several broken bones, but doesn't. Hmm. This man is more monster than man, and you aren't sure what monsters he stole from. What do you do? Oh, silly man who's become a monster. You really think this is going to scare Enoch? Enoch just looks at Thaddeus and just, Hmm, you've gotten really strong, but that just means... I just got to do more damage than you can take. Enoch's got a crazy idea. What is the idea? He's going to do everything he can to try to just get behind Thaddeus. And using his flight, locks them both into the air. Roll to kick some ass to grapple Thaddeus. Happily, because Enoch is going for the greatest of all power bombs. Woohoo, that's nine. Okay. You are able to, like, get a hold of him. Like, a solid grip. You don't have him fully in your control, but you have a solid enough grip. And he just smirks at you as you see, like, this like streak of something whip out over his shoulder and it's like this hooked tail slams into your side for three points of harm. <clears throat> Enoch just still just he has that stupid smile on his face as he's just worth it <laughs> as he squats down getting ready. I can't wait to see what gifts I get from you. I can't wait to see the look on your face when you're done and I beat you. Hey, you know, grow stuff. 
Yay! That's an eight. It's not affecting you yet, but you can feel there's poison in your system. Because oh. chimera tails are poisonous. I always do better with a time limit, bub. <laughs> hey, bub. And then we pan back to Stax and Alara, because you're wearing Edis down. Yeah, I'm still stuck in the ground but he didn't hit me again. And so I basically, it looks really small at first, almost like like a cylinder, but it like, like sections out. When I pop back up, I'm holding a grenade launcher. You should roll a preparedness to, if that's not part of your normal thing, roll preparedness. Oh, I have grenades. Um, okay. Oh. Roll preparedness to see if you have a grenade launcher. <laughs> As she's like doing that, you, Aller just looks at you, looks over at Enoch, and goes, we need to end this quickly and help Enoch. Enoch, who currently has the point of a chimera tail lodged in his side? Yeah, that's pretty bad. Ow. That's eight. So, you have it, but not here. <laughs> Boo! You go to grab your grenade launch and then have the moment of... Damn it. It was on the couch. It was on the couch. <laughs> Meredith has it. No. <laughs> you had set it down for... You do have grenades. <laughs> I do have grenades. <sighs> you you feel your phone buzz and you realize Meredith's just like... Babe, did you, did you need this? <laughs> <laughs> Just a, it's a it's a picture of it on the couch. Like, hey, did you forget this? <laughs> a grenade launcher on Alaric's couch. <laughs> I think I know what it is, but I'm not sure. I I don't I don't know if that's important. She works for the sweepers. She knows, she knows what who a grenade launcher is. Yeah, my portable <laughs> grenade. I'm like, fine. So I do have the grenades. So I, I bite the pin out and I'll throw it at him. Yeah, roll the kicks the mess. <sighs> Gosh, no, my dice. Six. I'm just gonna miss, I guess. <laughs> you, can always do, you can always use luck. I could. I went through so much trouble to get that portable grenade launcher. I left it on the couch, and I'm so mad. But I remember how it felt in that casino with all of the luck magic going off, and I just like. For a split second after I pull the pin, I have the grenade, and it's almost like I can see the arc of where it's gonna be. <laughs> gonna land this exactly on the wizard. Yeah. I picture, like, as it's arcing, Alarg, you see Edis going to do a move that will send it back to you. And for a second, you swear it looks like it hit. But the grenade keeps going. How much harm does your grenade do? Would usually do four. So it's up to you if it wants to do more. It is a uh, frag grenade. It is filled with shards of holy cleansing bells from cultures all over the world. So do you want this to completely incapacitate them or do you want to kill them? Up to you. <laughs> They're too far Killing. gone. There's no saving them. <laughs> yeah. Kill him. 
I like see the moment uh, where the grenade pushes through his magic and it's arcing right at him and I can feel that it's gonna hit him. And I'm like, I was gonna say something cool and I forgot. Well, I'll describe what happens, um, not in super detail because gross, but it hits him right in the chest. Right, like, center mass. And then it explodes. You see all these different, like, magic reactions going off. And by the time that light shows over, Edith Octavian is gone. Alaric, you know with the way those reactions looked, that was all of Edith's stored magic and the stuff that they were having and potential deals that they made and all that stuff. Imploding them. All right. I'm like... Wow, that was a lot faster than I uh, anticipated. <laughs> yeah, and I think what I said, like, the, the grenade went through, and I was getting ready to say something cool, and I was like, that's what you get? And then it just exploded in so many different explosions, and I'm like, oh, oh, God, oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think as I see that, realizing that we don't need the wall, I shift the magic and take the wall and turn it into a force to throw to like push the um oh my god now i can't remember the other guy's name push them away from enoch pulling them out like to where they can't keep hitting them like i'm just basically i'm trying to use magic to separate them to give enoch a chance to gain control of the fight that's awkward but my you have no idea enoch has them exactly where he wants them but it's chaotic so roll to use magic all right Four, five, that's five, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Wait, wait, no, that's eleven, but I have plus two, so that's a twelve plus. Yeah, yeah. So, what does it look like, and what are you doing with Thaddeus? I think what it looks like is the wall that was starting to form, instead of it like it sitting in place in front of us, just launches forward, passes over Enoch with no no issues, but slams into him and shoves him further back to where he can't continue to harm Enoch. I don't know if I, I mean, that would be, I guess, one thing beyond human limitation. Yeah. Because this is added benefit. I don't know if I, what you'd want to do for that. Maybe it does harm to him as well, like one harm. Well, I was just thinking like, as it slams into Thaddeus, like it gets at just the right angle where instead of like, the tail tearing out of Enoch's side, it just slips out without causing additional harm. Yeah. As it, like, pushes him away and separates them. And then I wipe my brow. I'm like, all right, Enoch, finish him. <laughs> also, Missy stacks your foot's front. You can get your foot out of the dirt now. Oh, good. Ugh. Shake the sand. So, hey, Enoch. Mm-hmm. Alaric just smacked your play toy away. What are you going to do now? Oh, no. Enoch's actually going to use this as... You know what? Maybe this is to my advantage. Because Enoch still has a plan. One last time, he's going to go to try to, to wrap him up one more time. Go for it. We need to take flight. Roll to kick some ass. Happily. Yeah, you're going in the air. That's an 11. Yes. <laughs> Describe what it looks like. 
Oh, it's... I've been waiting for this because, you know, I imagine he's still getting a good couple shots on Enoch. Enoch doesn't care as he just squats down and they take off into the darkness. Now, it's dark. I can't imagine how high Enoch it's is It's not dark up. anymore. Oh, good. We break the stratosphere. We're literally at that moment where you see the crescendo of Earth seeing every everything. Enoch slowly turns around and they start descending. And they start turning into a fireball. As Stax and Alaric are just watching this. Impressive. Enoch's just, you, you know, you have some really good durability, but how do you do with terminal velocity? <laughs> you can see, like, bits of the monsters that he has taken upon himself coming out as he is trying to escape, trying to, like, get out of your grasp, but he can't. Every time he's just shifted, I just think Enoch just gets closer and grabs on tighter on his waist as they're just, boom, going. Closer, closer. Here comes the ground. Just a white flash just to hit the ground. Stax and Elric, what are y'all doing while you wait for um, Enoch to literally come back to Earth? Watching. We're watching. (laughs) I mean, he took that quite literal, didn't he? When I said finish him. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> he's so compact. He's so fast. So much faster. Um, Small. Should we, yeah, should we look we should at move. The, the... We should move. Yeah, we should, we should move and maybe see what's going on with uh, that, yes. that void dragon. Yes. As Enoch hits terminal velocity, velocity and absolutely paced... Thaddeus Grim Hollow. Um, Enoch, how do you not paste yourself with that? Do you angel wings away right before you hit the ground? Yep. Right as he, we're about to hit, uh, Enoch's just, bye. <laughs> and he's just next to Alaric and Stag, this is Stags, and it's just, hey guys, wasn't that cool? So as Enoch was falling a little bit before he hits the ground, you're just kind of watching. You also look back to the fight and you can see like it's slowing down in intensity like they're both starting to wear down some. She's still able to keep him at bay. It's nearing the moment where someone might slip and the first person to slip is probably going to be the one to lose. And as you see Enoch re-entering the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah. Alaric, you hear her voice in your head saying now. You would see him wave his hand and they would just, almost as if they were pulled out of like a, a magical storage space, just brought out in front on the on the ground. You see it looks like some type of garment, like fabric embroidered with gold. There is a pair of silver shoes and it looks like robe that belonged to a young wizard once, maybe Alaric himself, his training robes, and they're in this bright red. And as he does it, I go into the ritual, and you hear me say the name Uriel, the Lightbringer. Out of a suing, something happens. <laughs> Love the facial reaction going on right now. <laughs> 
I think when I say it because of the ritual, it almost becomes like um, magnified and echoey. Like the name just all of a sudden just yeah. like goes out really loud. You know, like uh, in um, was it Skyrim, when you the dragon voice, how it's like that, boom, 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 that, that kind of thing. Yeah. So Enoch, as you peer, that is the first thing you see. That's the first thing you hear is the name Uriel. And you all watch as like pieces of the darkness seems to like peel off and pull away and start filling the clothing as it stands up and the form starts to take place of something that had been imprisoned for a very long time. And Enoch, what does your brother look like? Ah, ma. So, ah, damn it, this one hurts, but. Enoch and Uriel were twins, and it's the small Enoch. It's so they look almost exactly alike, just minus the runes and carvings in the skin. But the part that's weird is that his hair, where Enoch's hair is the golden blonde, his is uh, just a black that just absorbs light. So you see he appears in front of you. And when he looks at you, he looks almost sad. Like he's sorry for what you've been through these past centuries. And it's almost like he's happy to see you again. He, Enoch looks at Uriel and he feels the exact same way. It's just, hey bro. That's the 20th century coming out in you. Hey, bro. <laughs> it's Enoch's finally able to move on, so he feels a little different. So yeah, that 20th century is really affecting him now. Uriel. Never thought I'd see you again. Enoch's trying to do a facade that he's strong and everything, but... Yeah, you look at him, he's... His eyes are already just streaming tears down his face. It's time for you to go to our family. It's time to go home. Methuselah, it wasn't Mm -hmm. me. You see parts of her magic start to wrap around him. Then he vanishes and you hear in your head, He's somewhere safe. He's now free. Roll to investigate a mystery. As you hear, it wasn't me. It wasn't your fault, echoing in your head. That's an eight. Whatever you killed, because you did kill something, but you now realize it wasn't actually Uriel. He's been trapped all this time. There was a moment of elation knowing that Uriel is alive and that he didn't kill his brother, but in the moment to know that he was tricked even more, Enoch gets really angry. I've, I can't take these games anymore. I just want the truth. How do the rest of you react? Because Alaric, you probably suspected like this binding spell had something to do with that, but you weren't sure yeah. exactly 
It wasn't until it happened that things clicked into place, and that might have been why you didn't say anything to Enoch. It's like, like, no. Well, I think I think it's more of, you know, I don't know for sure what's going to happen, how they're sealed, what the circumstances are, how this spell will exactly free them. I understood what, how the ritual worked, but I probably didn't want to get Enoch's hope up because if you know if it didn't go in a good way or you know it didn't work then i didn't want them to be like damn you know so i think it was more of like after having a hard conversation and uh, that hard conversation in private make sure that he protected his friend from a potential pain painful incident if it didn't work out yeah also the fact that that was a ritual for binding something that was lost. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you, you don't know how that's going to work exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched you do a spell, and it summoned another Enoch, and then they were there for a second, and he said, hey, bro, and then the other Enoch dis- disappeared. <laughs> I'm very confused, and I'm just kind of standing there, like, with my gun, and I'm like, I think you can piece together the context clues of who that was, because you also know. Yes, yes, but I don't, I don't know where they just went. And I'm like, okay, that's that was a good thing. I think. Uh, are we happy about this? How do we? How's everybody feeling? Enoch just looks to the sky and goes, "We've obviously stopped your plans. It's finally time to just come out. Let's end this already." The two dragons are still actively fighting. <laughs> fighting behind us, like, ah, kaiju fight. <laughs> I think it's time to help take down the dragon. I agree. I think, as I say that, I will begin casting a spell very similar to what what was done to Mrs. Stax, where the earth will reach up and grab onto the dragon and bind it in place so that the dragon we want to win can have an advantage. Roll it. Roll it. Roll and roll and roll. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, that would be a nine plus two, 11. Ah, so cool. But yeah, I mean, still, I was talking about, the, you know, the extra effect, but. <laughs> so what does it look like as these two dragons, sometimes they're on the ground and like one will like go up a little bit to attack the other? Till they're both wearing down. I think it, it's at a point where, like, the dragon of light is above, and it just knocked the the void dragon down. And as it kind of goes to leap up to go back into the fight, the ground just kind of wraps up around its limbs. And uh, if there's, I don't know, is this like straight up desert area, or is there like grass and any kind of life here as well? Oh, it's just, it is literally desert. Just deserts and rocks. So yeah, the the sand, the sand just literally reaches up and grabs onto it and pulls it down. It just pulls it into the, the, the ground itself, locking it in place and hardening. Almost like turning into stone around it. It hardens around the, the limbs of the dragon. And you can see that as I'm doing this, even though I rolled really well, it's taking a lot. And he's, he's like... Sweating and just breathing hard. You hear the 
boy dragon or you know you can't kill me, sister. And she just responds, no, but they can. You see, she starts doing some magic of her own to keep him grounded. To keep him down where the three of you can get involved. I actually, Enoch has a stupid question for Mrs. Stax, too. Okay. So, Enoch turns and goes, Mrs. Stax, wouldn't just killing, it just perpetrates an endless loop. What if we break this loop of death and carnage? Let's make that Void Dragon the new Mrs. Claus. I was thinking that, too. It'll be forced to be good. What do you think, Mrs. Stax? You get a very quick... If that worked, I would have done it a long time ago. (laughs) I think that comes at, like, we both hear that. Because for a moment, like, my eyes light up and I hear the jingle bells and I'm just, like, imagining. And it's like, that won't work. It's like, okay, okay, God. I think we all hear the jingle bells of you, like, as as the thought goes, we all hear, like, your... (laughs) You can't bind a former god, you can only kill them. Do we have to kill him? Enoch's actually earnestly asking this. Well, sweeper code is generally to catch and contain, and I pull out my whole bandolier of grenades, and I'm like, but we make some exceptions. And as you say that, you hear the soft thud of something landing on the ground, and you see your grenade launcher, but the little note from Meredith. You left this. I hope the spider horse can... It knows what it's doing. <coughs> Mini horse, you amazing creature. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, I love Mini horse. I love Meredith. This is a great day. And I have my grenade launcher and I'm launching a grenade. Another one also filled with, basically we took bells from like every religion that like rings bells, um, every you know, monastic culture that rings bells to kind of purify and cleanse things. And they, all of those sharp little shards are inside this grenade. And I am launching it at the void dragon. So, kick some ass. It's eight. So, your shot lands. And it goes from like trying to snap up at the dragon of light to turning to look at you. You would be wise to fear. And what terrible thing do you remember? Oh, it comes like crawling up my spine back into my memory. And I remember being a little girl in our little house in our cul-de-sac when the fairies showed up. And it was so fun at first. And wow, fairies are real. And me and my older sister, who was like 12, being friends with the fairies and playing with them. And then they decided she would be their queen. And it's just a memory of me being a small child watching essentially my sister being like dragged away by what had been cute, friendly little flower fairies, but had become kind of twisted and angry as we had, you know, refused to go with them. And they are dragging her away and stealing her and I can't stop them. I'm not strong enough. I don't know how to stop them. 
and it's just I'm helpless again. You're facing against something that once was a god. Something that is destruction and chaos and you all start to feel this fear and Enoch and Alaric, you recognize something about it. As you see the big bad wolf appear, the epitome of nightmares, and it's stalking towards you. But I will say, Alaric, you've spent a lot of time studying this creature. I see this and I immediately go in to start casting against it, but I don't want to steal any thunder from Enoch because he hasn't got to do anything just yet either. The big bad wolf is bad, but I'm going to leave that for Oliver because Enoch just looks at the void dragon and just, he's shaking his head. (sighs) I did fear you. Honestly, I'm still terrified of you. But I see now. I understand. I get it. And Enoch's just walking towards the Void Dragon. It's just, I'm not going to destroy you, kill you with malevolence. I'm going to do something that you need. I'm going to kill you with love. You're a god that was, that's been so alone. You're not alone anymore. And I'll hold you in your last moments, so you'll never be alone. You remember the story that she told you. She's from another world that was destroyed and she couldn't act fast enough to stop it. This is what did it. Her brother. I get it. You've done so many horrible things. But it's okay. I'm going to heal you now. Better yet, I'm going to save you. Let's get to that role after we see. What I was going to do was completely different than what he was going to do. I was going to turn the fear on fear itself over here. Yeah, so, Alaric, would you like to roll to use big magic using what you've gathered so far about how to basically take over and control or, like, summon this creature? Not hearing Enoch's conversation, because I don't think, because you're walking towards that, I don't hear it. I just kind of say to this thing, you know, you you think we're the only ones with fear, but I know you have it as well. Let's see what that looks like. And I go into casting to take the big bad wolf and turn it towards it to make it feel and live in its own fears, its own things that like terrify it and turn the big bad wolf towards it and all to use big magic also mrs stacks how are you reacting as you see this creature's fear incarnate yeah and i i feel that deep old helpless fear of being unable to stop a creature i don't understand from hurting someone i care about and then in my memory i remember they're dragging my sister away I'm screaming and there's nothing I can do and then the sweepers kicked in the door and saved us and I spent my youth looking for them and when I found them and I trained and I trained and I trained and I am a sweeper and we are not afraid and 
while the world will always have monsters as long as there are humans, it will also always have heroes. What's the roll? I rolled a six and a four on the die. I have plus two for weird, and I have plus one from go big or go home. I'm going with big magic. So that's a 13. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as you start casting, the wolf walks towards you, and as the spell goes, you start to realize that fear isn't a bad thing. Fear isn't evil. Fear can be twisted into something. It can cause people to do dangerous and reckless things, but it isn't bad. Mm. You see the wolf just makes eye contact with you and then turns, starts stalking towards this bringer of destruction. I think I might even say something along those lines like you're saying, like, fear isn't always evil. In fact, it inspires us to be more. I look at Mrs. Stax. You're more because of what you feared. Enoch, you're here now because of what you feared. So am I. But what are you afraid of, you know? And again, I just kind of re reinforce that fear. Like, what is it that this being is terrified of? And I'm like, let's... And I just send the wolf right towards him. <laughs> the wolf is stalking towards him closely, and I'll say... I don't know if Alaric and Stax can fully see what images the wolf creates, but for Enoch and for the other dragon, you see um, it was almost like a fear of insignificance, a fear of not being enough that turned into an anger. It was a misunderstanding fear that and also he just hated having to share the world so he's like if I can't have all of it it will burn so you see in his mind his sister becoming more powerful and she's just like I never wanted that oh okay alrighty I'm already feeling the feels from what I'm about to do, so get ready, everyone. True to my word, Enoch's not going to attack. He walks up to the Void Dragon, and he just presses himself as if he's hugging on to the dragon. And what he's doing is he's literally pumping his own soul, his own emotion, into the Void Dragon. And like you just said, from what you're describing, I just see this little alone entity in its own mind and Enoch's come to it and he's just hey there little guy and Enoch's own spirit wraps around it and goes you're not insignificant and I'll be right here for you you'll never be alone you'll never feel insignificant ever again and Enoch just keeps pouring more of that emotion, more of his soul into the Void Dragon. Roll to manipulate an NPC. Oh, man. <laughs> of course. The dice want this. It's a 10. <laughs> what is it you're trying to accomplish with this? I want him to at least just 
power down from the void dragon form and I have a crazy idea Enoch's going to offer him to merge with him so he doesn't have to feel insignificant anymore he does shrink down into another form I know I'm not insignificant I am destruction I am the end of all things with no end what purpose is there? And I think you've outlived your purpose. All to act under pressure. Even with all that, Enoch still does not deter. He is on his point. That is an, that is an eight. He will not be deterred. Worse outcome, hard choice, your price to pay. What's the price? If you merge with him, you will be lost and he will have your power. He has been like this for far too long. Oh, this hurts because Enoch just looks and goes, that's a price I'll pay it gladly to give a person, to give someone another chance in life. Maybe this time he can be happy with his sister. Alaric Stacks, what do y'all want to do? I'll say at this point, you've caught up to what's going on. And you just hear her screaming in your head, no, stop him. I think Alaric would be like, Enoch, you are looking at him like he's you. You're looking at the things that went wrong in your past, and you're thinking you can give him a chance. Not everybody can get a second chance, and not everybody deserves another chance. Think of everything that's happened the last six months all the people who've been hurt, how we've been hurt, how much destruction they he, he tried to do that we had to stop. And if you give him your body and your power mixed with his, you're basically allowing him to potentially kill us, your friends. You're choosing him over us in the world that we're trying to build. Enoch hurts. He looks at his friends and he goes... I wish... I'm going to bind this thing away from him to where he cannot connect with him. I'm going to shoot him with another <laughs> grenade. You can also banish him. He's person-sized now. Yeah, I'm going to banish. But go ahead and shoot him with a grenade first. Enoch, would you like to roll to investigate a mystery? <laughs> Figure out what this, what this dude's deal is? I realize, like, we haven't rolled a lot of figuring out situation things. My heart hurt. It's just, I rolled an eight. Do you want to figure out what it might do if you go through with this? Yeah. This being, there might once have been a time when he could have turned back. But he killed an entire world. As you're saying this, you see he, like, sends a look up to his sister that just says, I'll make you watch as I burn this one, too. (sighs) If there was a person in him at one point, it's gone. You stubborn fool. I destroyed many people. I went down the same path as you, looking at that abyss. And that's when Enoch lets go and he goes, 
But that's the difference between us. I kept my love in my heart because I believe in it and I believe in those around me. And Enoch backs away to Alaric and Stax. So Gimme kicks some ass and I'm... Yeah, I'm banishing, but go ahead and kick ass first and maybe that'll help weaken him. I'm imagining Enoch lets him go and steps aside just as I step up again with the grenade launcher. That's a 10. Give plus one forward to Alaric. So I rolled five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So just shy of the ultra <laughs> again. <laughs> it would have been a ten, but with the plus one, it's an eleven. So the grenade slams into him, and he roars. And your as your magic starts to immediately wrap around to send him. I'm sorry, brother. I wish there was another. And he vanishes back to where he came from, a world that is no more. And the dragon sets down and quickly turns back into another person who just kind of drops to her knees and then goes to a seated position and just kind of like flops back like a starfish. I lean over to Miss Stax. You can totally turn them into Sam- Mrs. Claus again. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I look from her, and then I look to Enoch, and I'm like, I think they deserve to be somewhere that's not the North Pole. That's fair. Enoch collapses down next to her on the ground and just, I tried, I wanted to give you guys a second chance. She just kind of looks up, I know, I've... I tried to save him so many times, gave him so many other options, but he chose this time and time again. Well, maybe if there's another time, he comes. Enoch's going to take one of her hands and cup it in his. Maybe we'll be ready that time, and he'll finally listen. Because let's show him a world that's different, that's where the veil is gone, where there is no lines and depictions between the mortals and those of the Fae, those that they call monsters. It's, we'll show them a world with real love. And then finally, I think we can have your brother back. Describing the world where we came from. Enoch just smiles as a that's a little man mantra of mine. There's always a second chance. Enoch stands up and offers his hand to her and goes, So would you like a second chance? I would like to retire if I'm being honest. She does take her hand to stand up, you know. She doesn't look quite as powerful as she used to be, but she still has some magic to her. Thank you all. I couldn't have done that on my own, and I'm sorry I had to drag you into this. I mean, it's fine, but there is one more matter we need to address. Do you know where the rest of the books are? I have to get those back. I know where most are, and I know where a few will be. 
I got more work ahead of me. I can tell you where to look. Magic was kind of my thing where I'm from. I can see. I mean, you were literally a dragon moments ago, so impressed. This is Dax. This is when Enoch gets a really big smile on his face and goes, Well, that settles my next step. My dear, I think I've always wanted to start my own version of the sweepers and the magic society to try to do my own hand and I think with you by my side we'll, I'll be able to accomplish this and Mr. Alaric I would like to have you as my first client helping you get these books back alright I mean she's currently watching Mrs. Sex just waiting for what you have to say yeah yeah y'all can talk business later ma'am I'm glad we could help resolve this issue. Do you know how many cookies I had to eat? That's all I could eat was cookies and milk. That's all that the clauses eat. It was a lot of cookies and milk. I did it for 20 years. I am very sorry. Also, but I may know a couple of people who would be interested. Great. I'd love some names. And speaking of, being that we are meeting on equal ground, you are not Mrs. Claus. I mean, it was for a while, but my name's Aurelia. Oh, Aurelia, it's it's nice to properly meet you. I'll extend my hand. She shakes it with the one that's not holding on to Enoch, because um, she's shaky. <laughs> she's tired. <laughs> that was a lot. And then we all owe you all um, a bit of an explanation. We should probably get out of here first, but um, I think I've had enough left in me for one miracle. Nainok, you feel like magic starting to wrap around and through you, but it's almost like it's waiting for your permission to happen. Oh, Enoch definitely allows what's going to let this happen. And real quick, as the magic is beginning, I'm like, oh, uh, Meredith showed me how to do this. And I pull out my cell phone and I turn the camera around and I'm like, group selfie. So you get a selfie as, um... I think this is what you get is how Alaric's face is. <laughs> Enoch, she's offering you a chance at transformation to who you could have been had all of this not happened. So what does Enoch look like at the end? Oh, he happily does it. And his hair is all the way down to his ankles. And he has uh, more of a golden tan skin. His eyes are a very beautiful aqua. And his true height, he stands about six foot two. Both of his eyes aren't aqua. One of them is of the color of tint of Uriel's eye. Him and his brother did have have that condition where each eye was a different color. And for them, one of their eyes was the opposite color of the brother. That's cool. I like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, we need to get you a haircut, but <laughs> shall we get out of here? I'm standing there with my cell phone, and I'm like, I thought you were about to teleport us away. Okay, now we're taking a selfie. <laughs> take, a, take a selfie with, <laughs> with improved Enoch. <laughs> I could open a portal. Between her, Alaric, and Enoch, you're able to get a stable enough portal to get somewhere. Also, like, she she directs it slightly, and um, 
Well, I left him. He, he might have wandered off somewhere. Your brother should be around here. <laughs> That'll be our next job. And you're in front of an olive garden. <laughs> hey, when you're here, you're family. <laughs> and... Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was just going to say, I imagine that selfie is going to be in a framed picture and Enoch's newly acquired agency that is called Mage Hand, a helping hand, LLC. And they just take odd jobs for anybody who comes to the door. I'll be you a human or even a Wendigo. They're there for a helping hand. Naturally, after everything that happened, there were changes in the ways that the Sweepers and the Wizard Council governed themselves. Um, the infiltration of both organizations showed that their traditional way of doing things wasn't working as well as I thought it was, so perhaps it was time to change things up. Well, those changes looked like varied, but one of the biggest things is that they started working together more. So Mrs. Stacks got promoted to a higher level. The sweepers had to recruit more and adjust their methods to make up for all the people that they lost due to the corruption that spread in the ranks. It may have been a messy and stressful and scary time, and many people were hurt. But in the end, those who came together to stand against this darkness came out a little bit stronger. Let's see what they did afterwards. So what's everyone's epilogue? I know my <laughs> I I think um I saved the world. You know, no big deal. Just another day. Yeah, you guaranteed ha can have, like, literally any position at the sweepers you want. Yeah, I think I'm going to go on a sabbatical. Because when I when I come back, I will I will have a, a higher position that will take my time. And there's a lot, there's so much paperwork when you change positions in the sweepers. So we're going to take a very nice, long sabbatical. And it's basically y'all just getting in the group chat like pictures of me and Meredith in New Zealand doing tourist stuff because I have never been on a vacation. I don't relax. Like, I don't know how. So it's like us getting pictures with like a bunch of little budgie birds and it's really cute and I'm like, uh, <laughs> really uncomfortable. And it's like us doing the Hobbit tour and I'm like texting y'all in secret. I'm like, I haven't seen these movies. I don't know. <laughs> oh, she made you binge watch. She made you she watch. She makes all me of binge them. watch all of them. So Alaric would have made you watch them as well. <laughs> he would have been totally with. Yes. So they. So y'all made me binge watch. You were them. forced to watch the extended editions yes. on the way to New Zealand. Oh yes. no. And then just like us on a beach, and it's nice, and I look relaxed. And I look like I'm having fun, and I'm very happy, and Meredith is very happy, and we're enjoying our time together in New Zealand. I think for Alaric, he returns 
with some time and the help of Enoch's LLC here, uh, he's able to track down those books, get them back. And I even think that how he was kind of always in like the bad side of the council, they now are, have approached him for a position. But he turns it down because he's he's like, no, I don't want to be stuck, you know, up here making things. I'd rather be out in there making real change. And so he kind of doesn't stick with the council in that sense. He's still part of the, uh, of the wizards, but he just does not want to be on the council. And he just returns to, to doing what he always does, looking into mysteries and solving solving problems uh, for, for people that are dealing with supernatural issues. How he met Enoch and Mrs. Stax originally. He just goes back to what he's always done. So what he saved the world this time, the world might need to be saved tomorrow kind of thing. But I do think we see him on the couch with <laughs> Honora. And I think they're watching like, was it the the Star Wars movies with, and it, it, we, get to, we get the scene where, you know, Obi-Wan and uh, Anakin are fighting and he just turns and goes, I said that. I said that in the, in, in the last fight. It was, it was brilliant. And I think she just kind of rolls her eyes at him. <laughs> She's just like, of course you did. And I think that's, that's what we see for, for him. It's, he just kind of goes about business like nothing's changed. After you turned down the position on the Wizard Council, it was offered to Langley, who gladly accepted it because it gave them access to be able to study more things, go out and research, and they were able to lend you a hand on more than one occasion in the future because they kind of owe you after nearly gutting you in the middle of the archives. And what about for Enoch? It's a giant picture show because we just see pictures of Enoch's life with her and them starting the company. And then it fast forwards in time, them getting closer, and then we see the wedding between the two. And then them having a son, and they name them name him after her brother. And then the final picture will be a selfie in honor of the original selfie of when we saved the world, except this time it shows Enoch with his brother Uriel wrapped around each other, and everyone is just there for the picture for one last time. And then I would think it would end with Enoch closing the book on the photo album going, Now oh, that was a good second chance. And he goes to turn off the lights. Aurelia told her story twice. Once to her new friends in the Olive Garden, because after all they had been through, they deserved to know the truth. And then once to Langley Jacobs, so that the full story of what happened would never be forgotten. In her world, there was a cycle that had been going since the beginning of time. It is said that in the beginning, there were two gods. A god of creation and a god of destruction. When they came of age, there was a battle, and the god of creation succeeded, and thus the world was born. Since then, when it comes time for the current god to step down and a new one to take their place, two more are born, a creator and a destroyer. The battle always happens when they come of age, and thus has been the way for millennia. That is, however, until Aurelia was born. She was to be the new goddess of creation and magic and all things good. And her counterpart, 
was her brother. This was the first time in recorded history that the two gods had been so closely related. They were twins, in fact. And this posed a problem because neither wanted to kill each other. They were separated at a young age, taken into their respective temples and trained and prepared for the day when their fight would happen, yet they refused to accept that this would have to be the way. They both looked so hard for so long to find a way to break this cycle. The night before their battle was supposed to take place, they found each other and made a pact that they would not kill each other. She meant every word of it. He lied. For earlier that day, he had done something foolish in an attempt to find another way. And in doing so, he lost himself. By the following day, whatever remained of him was gone. Because in search for answers, he had unlocked the memory of every past life he lived. All of the anger and betrayal and destruction and power, all of those lives wiped out her brother, leaving him with nothing but a thirst for destruction. And she found out the hard way that the only one who could stop him was her. And the only way she could stop him would be to break her oath. By the time she gave up on trying to find other options, it was too late. Her world was gone. Yet they were still bound to each other, so when he appeared in New New World, she appeared there too. When she arrived in this new world, it was long after he had been bound somehow by the fir first person who found him. So she agreed to keep an eye, to keep watch, just in case he didn't stay asleep. She would have been in the tower that day had Uriel, noticing that something strange was going on, not sent her out to get help to deal with whatever strange, mysterious monsters were plaguing the tower. She was gone when it fell, and arrived too late to help but save anybody. She realized soon after that Uriel had been taken by her brother, likely because he helped her. So she disappeared, found ways to stay out of his sight, eventually becoming Mrs. Claus to hide in plain sight and help contain a trickster that she caught, one of the beings he had brought from another world. Things were going well until her brother's agent nearly set Santa loose the night before Christmas. She knew it would be the easiest way to get out of her job undetected, but she also knew if he was left to his own devices, left to escape, the consequences would be disastrous and things would start falling the way her brother wanted them to. So she called in a favor, called in some people that her intel said were trustworthy and reliable and got them to help. Also using their unwitting help to slip out of, from under the guise of Mrs. Claus so she could begin taking a more active role in preventing what was to come. She had no idea at that time that they would be standing with her in the end, but she's never had any regrets. Part of her in the final battle hoped that there would be a way to save her brother, a way for her, him to be reached. 
but she saw a couple of possibilities of things that he was going to do had she not been there to hold him. As Enoch was offering himself up, she saw in her brother's mind the knife slipping between his ribs as her brother took over his form, unleashing a new wave of destruction upon everything. He would have been unstoppable, and in that moment, that was the only thing he wanted. To cause suffering and destruction and chaos. There was only one way for him to find peace. It was for him to die so what was left of his soul could go on as well as the soul of all those who had been before. This broke the cycle and left her possibly without a way to die herself, but it was worth it in the end. Getting to see these world, getting to see this world saved and her brother to find peace. And she ended up finding a bit of peace herself with someone who had also suffered loss and regret, and someone who may just in fact live as long as she does. So, maybe this time she'll get to see the world end the way it's supposed to. Gradually, a long time from now. And that's the end of the Holiday Brigade. Thank you all for joining me on this strange little journey and listening along to Season 1 of Pseudodim Solo Adventures. This originally started out as a little holiday-themed, a little Christmas one-shot, but then I got an idea to make it something a little more, so definitely special thanks to Morgan and Brian and Jess for being willing to go along with me when I asked, hey, instead of just doing a part two, do you want to do a whole mini campaign? Like, seven more sessions? It has been such a blast working on this project. I look forward to telling more interesting, weird little stories in the future, highlighting more indie games that I think are interesting and can use more attention, and just telling fun stories. I hope you have enjoyed, and I hope maybe I can inspire you to try something new. Until then, thanks again, and if you want to see more stories, we have quite a bit going on. Just check anything by Pseudonym Social, we've got several actual plays going, and probably more in the works. And if you want to help support that and help me be able to do more things, you can support us over at Patreon. I appreciate you, I love you all for sticking around, and I hope you've enjoyed. <laughs>